is so good to worship, isn't it? He is so worthy. I love the words to that song, magnify his name, because there's so many reasons to praise his name. Um, today, uh, my name is Megan Truax. I'm one of the pastors here at Gateway, and I, thank you, husband. <laughs> for, thank you, one woohoo for me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. We're, I, I oversee Mercy Ministry, and I, um, don't, I don't get to be up here very often, um, and thank God, because I feel like I might like faint right now. So, um, But he, I, I, there are so many reasons to praise him, and we always have, I love the opportunity that we have on Sundays. Today, we're going to talk about mercy and how it changes us, and then we can offer that to other people. And so before we get into the word, um, we are going to hear from other people and praiseworthy things of how God works and how God shows us mercy and how he changes us. And so I'm going to call my people up, and if you would give them a hand so that you can just cheer them on as well. Um, Judy and Laurie and Doug and Peggy, come on up. Give them a hand. They're all deciding right now who's going to go first, and it's going to... And it's, and it's going to be, it's going to be Doug. Doug has a cheering section as well. Good deal. The question I asked them to, to answer is um, to just briefly answer, how has God stirred you um, or compelled you to show mercy? And how do you see God showing mercy to people around you? Um, so Doug, do you mind to share a little sure. bit about that? Well, I just wanted to share how I have seen it and I have, uh, Seen it through a, 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 a woman named Crystal that comes to, that, that God brought us to it at the Welcome Inn. She uh, came faithfully to the Bible studies to church and came with an attitude of how can I be a part and, and trying to build and trying to grow. And then I, how I've seen God uh, show mercy is um, she had a hard time trying to get a job at Walmart. There's kept, things just kept getting in the way. And one day, the Holy Spirit guided me to Walmart to get my favorite bag of chips, and I stumble across Megan and Crystal in the car um, working on it. And as, as Zach said, that Faith would find a pastor that knows her. Our pastors here at Gateway know us, and I saw her in the fight with Crystal trying to, you know, little things discourage us, and we don't want to keep going, but our pastor here, Megan, was helping her along. And then... Um, as Crystal was, uh, she ran into the, a point where she was asked to leave the welcome in for something, something I did. I'm the one that messed up, and she had to suffer the consequences for it. And again, our pastor's knowing us and willing to go to battle with us. Megan goes with her to face her accusers. And, and, and there's nothing we can really do. We work under the authority of the management there. You know, they, they stated their case. It wasn't nothing we could do. And... You know, she was asked to leave. And God revealed to me, he said, Doug, you need to be perfect there. You need to be perfect. I know I can't be perfect, but with Christ living in me, I can, I can do better on the paperwork. Um, <laughs> I can do better on that. That's something simple. And uh, I just thought it was amazing that to know Megan went there with her, and then we helped her move out, and we didn't, we didn't get uh, all worked up. And it says here in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, it says we have to be submission to authority and to whether they're reasonable or unreasonable, whether we agree with it or not, we need to submit to what they said that we, we couldn't do anything about it. 
And uh, it says, uh, it says, do, do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but if they are cruel. For God is pleased with conscience of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased. And then it goes on here. It says uh, that uh, God, when Jesus went to the cross, he, uh, he left his hands in the case of God. He didn't fight. He went to the cross willingly. And uh, that whole time that was going on, God knew that that was going to happen. Crystal was going to be asked to leave and... I had $500 sitting on my dresser for a week before that even happened. Someone was gracious enough to give me that money. And this goes directly to Crystal is what I was told. And so God had already paved a way for Crystal to get out of that situation. And we acted right. We did what, we, what God called us to. We, we glorified God in the way we responded to an unfair situation. And God already had a plan for us. We didn't, I don't think we messed that up. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Well, Doug gave you um, a great story, and I was part of that, and it was wonderful. Um, when I was asked, <laughs> do we do we do this? Is that what Zach did? Boom. Okay, it should be working. Boom. Uh, when I when I was asked to speak this morning about how I've seen God's mercy through serving in Mercy Ministries at Gateway, I found it hard to put into words. I started with a little self examination. Uh, why do I serve and how do I show mercy and what results have I seen through the acts of mercy? I was taught as a young child about serving others through my home and church. I was encouraged to volunteer. These were the stepping stones of my faith. But the mercy I show to others is because of God's mercy and grace given to me. For no other reason, I want Christ's love to compel me to love. Serve people. At Gateway, I have been given opportunities to offer rides, take meals, babysit, donate, and man the food pantry. God's provisions to me has made that possible. During those car rides, delivering meals, and um, working with people, shopping with people at the pantry, I hear their stories and try to encourage the people along their journey. God has shown me ways to show them his ways of truth, and I have learned so much along the way. I am grateful to have seen people desire a better relationship with God and pursue that. They have <clears throat> pursued jobs and applied and gotten employment. I celebrate with them and they find housing and transportation. God is working in their lives as goals are set and accomplished, reaching out in service, showing Jesus to others, how he can work in their uh, lives to change is how they as they receive his mercy and grace. I don't want to leave you thinking that showing mercy and love to others is something I can do on my own, only God working through me. Please pray that my mercy for others will grow and my judgment de decreases. Uh, Philippians 2.3 from the Good News translation says, don't do anything from selfish ambition or from a cheap desire to boast. Be, but be humble toward one another, always considering others better than yourselves. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much, Peggy. Hello. 
Um, my journey with Mercy Ministry began with the food pantry. Um, after I started in, here at Gateway and I saw all the wonderful things and the wonderful fellowships and everything Gateway did for me, I was really moved by God um, to examine myself and say, what are you doing for God through Gateway? What are you doing to help in all this? And I went the very next week and signed up for the food pantry with Miss Judy. <laughs> and um, through that, God has helped me see wondrous things and, and talk with families. And it's so intentional. It's more than just passing out bags of food. It's, it's sitting with these families and asking them, them their stories. And it's asking how to pray for them and even better it's taking through and I've seen teenage children cry at being able to pick out what kind of Pop-Tarts they want. It's so much more than I think everyone realizes it. I also became through working at the food pantry the church secretary and that has led uh, me to take in all the calls that come for Megan and most of those calls come through for Mercy Ministry through me and I really had to learn to um, be brave in that. It's overwhelming sometimes to have all these people call for help. And I know that there's nothing I can do to help them, and they're desperate. And um, God slowly changed me through the years and taught me how to pray and to say, God, show me, let me hear what they want and what they need with your ears instead of just hearing this crazy, rambling, desperate call of this person. Help me see how to help them. Help me pick out the parts that Megan needs to know best, but help me develop a relationship. Many of these people would call over and over again and help me learn to pray with them and to be really intentional with them. And that's been an immense blessing, especially when I get to meet them, when they come in and start meeting with Megan. Um, it's, it's just incredible. And they're like, oh, I know you. And I'm like, yes, I've been praying for you for a long time. Through that, I started working at the closet um, with the Blue Springs School District. And that, too, is very, very, very moving. Um, you guys, many of you donate clothes there. But getting to actually be there and see, um, see children so thankful so thankful. Um, it's extremely moving um, for the clothes that they're taking home. Um, it makes it really easy to serve there every week. The other thing, let's see what else. Oh, financial coaching is also something I've picked up in the last year. And um, through all of this and through helping all the people, I've really had to learn that helping others isn't outcome-based. It's not about the outcomes or about what, what goals were set and whether or not people met them. It's about doing what God led me to do in a certain situation and how to minister to a certain family in a certain time. Not maybe trying to heal and help everything that they have going on in their lives, but how, did, how do I help them today? And that really changed me a lot. Um, I learned God asked me to love him, to show loving kindness to others, and to have a heart committed to justice and love above all else. And it's just been a blessing for all of it. So thank you, Laurie, for sharing. Judy?
In 2014, Megan approached me about serving in the food pantry and asked me to attend an event several of the area churches were having near the Welcome Inn. For those of you who don't know me, I'm not an outgoing, go get them person. I'm a behind the scenes type. Until now, <laughs> not behind the scenes anymore. <laughs> I wrestled with Megan's question, prayed about it. God was saying, do it. But I was making excuses. But God, I'm not comfortable in those situations of talking with strangers. But Judy, I'm not asking you to be comfortable. I'm asking you to trust me that I'm going to be there with you. Seven years later, I'm still in the food pantry, providing not just nourishment for people's bodies, but also being a light of hope and encouragement, listening, and sometimes guiding them to other resources. Jump to 2018, when Megan asked me to pray about joining the Mercy Ministry Assessment Team. Since joining, I've been involved in several meetings with people seeking assistance with, for Mercy Ministry. I've been blessed to meet individuals as they trust us with their story. Some we meet with once or twice, sharing Gateway's story and the outline of Mercy Ministry assistance. Ours is not just a handout assistance, it's relational. There are expectations from, for all parties involved. Just like Christ seeks expectations for us to follow so that we can have a relationship with him. Sometimes we meet with people for a couple of months and then they just quit communicating. This past fall, Megan and I met with a woman who had relocated to Blue Springs to be closer to family after her husband's death. She was working as a nurse and then COVID hit. For health reasons, her doctor told her she couldn't continue in her current job. She was able to find employment with a private agency that provided home health services. Jobs were inconsistent, and she was forced to move into the Welcome Inn. We met with her four or five times and were able to work with her on a budget so she could save to move into an apartment. Mercy Ministry provided her with gas cards, food pantry items, and prayer, and then communication stopped. Early in March, Megan got a call from her. Because of COVID, her employment became inconsistent, and just when she felt she was getting her savings where it needed to be, she would need to use it for rent at the inn. She got a call from an apartment complex that her name came up on their list for an available apartment. She had rent money and needed help with the security deposit and furniture. Mercy Ministry assisted her with those needs so she was able to settle into her new home. Micah 6.8 asks us, what does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Thank you. Give him a hand, guys. I should just ask them to come up and speak about Mercy Ministry whenever we need to talk about it. Um, just they, I, I, we heard several things about um, the food pantry. There's a lot of different ways that Mercy Ministry helps, and um, we're always open to what God is wanting to do and how he's wanting us to show mercy in our community. Um, we operate off of what we call four non-negotiables. So no matter what the methods are, 
Um, there's four non-negotiables that we operate off of. And uh, Sandy Greco, with all of her artistry, um, created this little um, art, if you will. But it it tells about our our four non-negotiables. It's mercy. We show mercy because God has shown us mercy. Um, Relational. Judy touched on that. Before anything else, we want to love people well, and we want to build relationships. And so, like, for example, in the food pantry, we, we're not going to be concerned about numbers and about all, getting all this, the, this data. It's about connecting with people, listening, and really helping them meet their needs. Um, discernment. Um, discernment is how we operate. We are not going around doing random acts of kindness. We are powered by the Holy Spirit, and we will listen to the Holy Spirit in how we should act and how we should respond. And it's different. There's not a formula for that. And so we listen to the Spirit of God to guide us. And then lastly, the covenant. We try to walk alongside people as they pursue God's best for them. And so um, thank you for those that shared just pieces and glimpses of Mercy Ministry and how that works. And um, I could talk for days about what God does through Mercy Ministry. But today we're going to dig into the Word and we can have coffee or lunch about that another time, okay? Um, In your Bibles, turn to Luke 4. We're going to kind of camp out there for a bit. Luke chapter 4, verse 14, I'm going to read it. It says, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So this scripture, um, this passage here, I love the words of Isaiah um, that he read um, because they're so full of promise. They're so full of, um, of something to be expecting and waiting for. And these words for Jesus' hearers would not have been new. They would have been familiar because as they do in the synagogue. There, there's the, the custom is for, for Scripture to be read, usually something from the Torah, which is the, the first five books of the Bible, and then something from the prophets. And then the person, and Jesus was a guest that day in the synagogue, which is funny to think about, um, then, he, then he preaches. And so these words of Isaiah would have been spoken to the people of Israel. They would have been spoken to the Jewish people already. That's how things were handed down. They would have heard these before. If, not, they, if they were not memorized or recited, they would have heard them from their family, their father, a rabbi, a teacher. So these, these words that Jesus was speaking and reciting from Isaiah were not new. But they have waited, right? These are, this, these are words of promise. And they have heard these words before. And they have waited, and they have waited, and they have watched for exactly what Isaiah was speaking about. Somebody who's going to come and save. Somebody who's going to come and rescue. 
It's something that, that they were on the edge of their seat waiting and watching for, right? And I think about things that we wait for and things that we sit on the edge of our seat for. I don't know about you, but if you have kids or if you remember when you had small children, like the day after their birthday, it's like, hey, um, how long till my birthday? And you're like, well, uh, 364 sleeps, so let's, we're not going to make a paper chain for that. Um, it's a long ways away, so just calm down, you know? So my kids, you know, feels like probably forever they're waiting for their next birthday or when Christmas is going to come next and always asking. But what are some other things we, we wait for in our life? We wait for maybe the promotion or the next job move. Or if you're a, a mom who, whose kids are grown, maybe you wait for the next holiday where they can all gather around your table. I feel like collectively we can say um, there was a lot of waiting expectantly in 2020 for 2021 to come. It's going to be different. I know it's going to be different, right? And then the new year came and it's like, well, pandemic is still here and so are the masks. So, um, but here... In this place, Jesus, the, the, the most powerful part of this passage is not necessarily in the words. Like I said, they weren't new. They had heard them before. They had been waiting and watching. The most powerful part of this is when Jesus gave his nine-word sermon here, where it says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And it blew their minds. Because what he was saying to them is that all of the waiting, the generations of waiting, all the years of waiting, all the things hoped for, all the watching, who is going to save us? Who is going to rescue us? Is it going to be Rome? Is something going to be flipped upside down? Who is it going to be? What will the Messiah look like? Here, Jesus is saying, I am here. I, in, in me, all of this is fulfilled. All of the waiting, all of the promises are found in me. And I love this picture, and I love the power of that statement because this is God's mercy toward the world, is that Jesus showed up on the scene and said, in me, this is fulfilled. There's no more waiting. There's no more watching. You don't have to be on the edge of your seat anymore. I am here. And God's plan was to send Jesus to set things right which is a, a definition of justice, God's definition. I think sometimes we, we hear a lot about social justice and we, we have all sorts of different ideas. We have the legal system. But God's definition of justice is giving back to those to whom things belong. It's setting things right. And because there was a separation between us and God, the plan is Jesus. And all that we need and all that we hope for is found in him. And that is God's mercy towards us. And I think sometimes when we think about mercy and justice, when I, when I think about the Micah 6-8 verse that's on this, this piece of art here that really drives the mercy ministry, it's really easy to, to take this idea and go, okay, well, yeah, I can do things. I can do good things. You know, I can go serve at the food pantry or I can go do a service project or I can help every, every now and then. But the reality is, is that in order to love mercy, which that word mercy is really steadfast love, loving kindness, 
So in order to love loving people well, we have to understand mercy in our own life and how Jesus gave that to us. And so the first thing I want to say about this passage is that Jesus standing there saying, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing is God's mercy to us that he showed up and arrived on the scene. We don't have to look anymore. We don't have to put our trust in a, in a pandemic ending or in a vaccine or in the next president to roll out the next politi- political agenda. We don't have to wait for any of the things out here to save us or to rescue us. Jesus says, all that you need is found in me and that mercy, that is mercy to us. And we have to first understand and grasp that mercy for ourselves, so that we can become people who love mercy, who love loving others well. We have to, how do we have eyes to see? How do we have eyes to see? God's mercy is for us. And so we have to let go of whatever it is that is holding on to us so that we can open our hands and we can offer that mercy to other people. I think sometimes we like the idea of God's mercy, we like the idea of God's rescue, but sometimes the, the, the slavery, the thing that's enslaving us, or the sin, or the chaos, all the things that God came to rescue us from, we want it, but sometimes it's hard to leave it. And God says, it's, it's my plan, Jesus, has arrived on the scene for you. And so he's come to set you free from that. He's come so that you may leave the chaos, that you may leave the thing that is enslaving you. And Jesus says in this place, I am here, I am enough. And when we begin to know and learn and understand that, we can open our hands. We're not having to save ourselves. We're not having to be anxious about where that's coming from, we can be released to trust Jesus. And the place where we learn about this mercy and loving this way is in here, right? And getting to know the person of Jesus. So go with me to Matthew 9. So Jesus has sat in the synagogue and said, okay, I've arrived on the scene. This, this freedom, I've come to set you free from sin and from all the things that entangle you. And then after that, he goes out and he does what he says he's going to do. He called this shot, right? It's been called for centuries. And he goes and says, let's get started. Let's get started bringing the kingdom of God here. And so in verse 35, we're going to start there. It says, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So he was out doing it. And as he was going around doing this, he was encountering people that needed rescue, right? He was demonstrating for people what it looked like to bring God's kingdom to earth what he had been proclaiming at Luke 4, or Luke 4 at the synagogue. And it says in verse 36, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. There's another version that says harassed and helpless. Do you know anybody who is harassed and helpless? I do. 
And if we can't think of people who are, I mean, I mean, because here's the reality is that we all have been harassed and helpless, right? That is what, that is the, the, the great rescue that God has given us and the great mercy he has shown to us is that he has come to us in our harassed and helpless state. Ephesians 2 says that while we were still sinning, Jesus came to us, right? So that is the great mercy. And so if you're thinking, gosh, yeah, who, what, what does harassed and helpless look like? This is part of us getting to know the person of Jesus to say, how do I have eyes to see people who are harassed and helpless, right? Because it goes on to say, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. When we become people who love mercy and love loving people well, God begins to use us to set right, to do justice in people's life. If we flip back to Luke 4 and go back to what Jesus was saying he was going to do, he says, I have come to preach the gospel to the poor. And so when we become people who love mercy and have eyes of compassion to see people who are harassed and helpless, it means we, we got to look beyond what's in front of us. we got to read between the lines. we got to ask the Spirit of God for us to see this so that we can offer this new reality. Jesus showed up on the scene to say, I have a new reality for you. I'm setting you free. And he's asking us, he's saying the workers are few, and he's asking his church in a world full of chaos, in a world that, I mean, I don't know about you, but it's like you read the headlines, you're like, can it get any crazier? He's asking his church to carry, to break in and to carry this message and this reality, saying you can be rescued. And this, this, the, the phrase that is used here about preaching the gospel to the poor, the word poor in this, in this passage says crouched low or bent down. It goes on to say that he has come to set the oppressed free and the word oppressed means crushed or shattered or broken into pieces. And when we talk about the word harassed or helpless, or we, we get these word pictures about being crushed, think about the people that you're coming in contact with, or think about your own story, right? People who are, who are crushed under the weight of anxiety, who are crushed under the weight of shame. Maybe it's shame because of something they've done. Maybe it's shame because of something that has been, been done to them. But God says, my plan is for you to carry this reality saying, it is now, it can happen. The freedom, you don't have to look for it anywhere else. You don't have to look for it in a person, a relationship. You don't have to look for it out of any, any solution or person that's gonna come rescue out of this because Jesus is here and God is asking us as the church to carry this reality and to speak these words of freedom to people. When we have grasped and understood the mercy that God has given us, we open our hands and we say to people, I have this message for you. And I love the way that Mercy Ministry helps people do that. I, I, we do have things like the food pantry and we help people, uh, we have people who change oil in cars. But the, big, the, the biggest thing I want us to understand about Mercy Ministry is that we exist so that as the church, the Gateway Church goes about their lives and brings people into your life, we then can come alongside and help you. 
Mercy ministry exists for us to walk alongside people. So, and I'm not going to tell her story because it's for her to tell, but I love what God is doing in Mary Jo's life. And you should take her to lunch or have coffee with her to hear about it. But the thing about it is that she's not a volunteer for Mercy Ministry. But as she goes, she goes to work. She has conversations with people. She lives in her house. She loves her neighbors well. She talks to family members at birthday parties and wedding showers. And because she is a person who has learned to love mercy and to, to get the eyes of compassion and ask the Spirit to show her who it is that is harassed and helpless, that she comes up alongside him. And then Mercy Ministry comes up alongside him. Hey, yeah, let's go. Let's pursue God's best for you. And then we start to see God doing amazing things. We start seeing recovery and restoration that he preached about, that Isaiah's words called out. We have transitional houses in Mercy Ministry, and um, we had been working with a single mom who had, um, was in a, a marriage that was abusive, and she was trying to get out, and um, financially that is really difficult in our world, right, when you've got three kids. And so <clears throat> we helped in some kind of um, tangible ways, and we moved, we, we, we just kept in contact loosely. And then last fall, out of the blue, she calls and she says, we, we got divorced, but she said, he's harassing me and following me. And so she took her three kids and she was going from house to house, relative's house. He would park at the end of the street. He would meet her at work. She had to start being escorted into her teaching job in, in Kansas City. And she said, I have to, I, I need somewhere safe to live. And what I love about this is that because of people, volunteers, people in her life who had been loving her well and offering her mercy, and then our ability to, to offer a safe place for her to live. The week after she moved in, she emailed me and she said, I have never slept like I slept since I've moved in here. If it weren't for this place that feels so safe, I have peace finally. A week ago, she, she sends a picture to Cindy Buttress and I in her cap and gown and she'd been trying to get certified so that she could provide for her three kids outside of this abusive marriage. And she'd been trying, but it's difficult to do when you're taking your kids and you're worried about where you're going to sleep that night. But she moved into our house last fall. She sent us this picture. I'm going to graduate. I wouldn't have been able to do this without a stable place to live. Thank you. Tell your people thank you. So we see that as, as God is showing her mercy through other people, he then we start to see things being set back right in her life. That is God's justice. God's heart has always been mercy and justice. And he's asking us, hey, this message that I have where I say, Jesus sits there and says, today, what you have been waiting for is here. And now God is asking his church, Gateway, I'm asking you, let's look at the person of Jesus so that we can have the heart like him, so we can see people not on the outside, that we don't drive by Welcome In and go, well, there's that place. No, I have friends at Welcome In, and they have stories I think God is rescuing them as well. They are people with stories. Sorry, I don't know where that came from, but they are friends. We don't judge, as, as Peggy said, let us put down our judgment so that we can show mercy and our mercy can increase. This is the hope. This is the hope that Jesus says the workers are few. And so if you are a follower of Christ, I'm calling you to 
rest and reflect on God's mercy in your life so that you can hold it out to other people because people in your life need it. People in this community need it. And that is the work that God has called us to, to set people free, not us. As Judy said, oh, I I don't know if I could do that. No, not us. No, we do things. We show mercy. We love people well so that we can point to the person of Jesus because today this has been fulfilled and he wants his kingdom brought on earth. If you're, if, you're, if you're like Judy, and I'm going to wrap up here, and you're afraid or you have fear about that, I am here to tell you the Holy Spirit will empower you. The Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus, will come and give you the courage you need. He will come and give you what you need, the words to speak. If he's put you in that spot, if he's given you that neighbor, if he's given you that coworker and you see their condition, the Holy Spirit will meet you there. Time and time again, I've been in this spot where, oh my gosh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what I'm walking into. And God says, I will give you the words to say. And I am here to tell you that, yes, it is true. The Holy Spirit will empower you. We are not a church that does random acts of kindness. We are a church that discerns and is, is, is reliant upon the living God who gives us his Holy Spirit. And we can count on it. So today, I'm going to leave you with God's mercy is for you. He came and sat here and said, today this has been fulfilled. It's for you. And he's asked us to carry that message of hope and new life and rescue and freedom to other people. And the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to do it. I'm going to pray. I don't, do we have time for, for worship? We do. Okay. He says we do. All right. Come on up. The worship band. <laughs> Sorry. I get like worked up, y'all. This is good stuff. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. God, we, um, we are yours. And we are floored that you would come to us and rescue us and give us freedom. We don't have to wait for anything else. We don't have to wait for anything else. It is found in you. And we say thank you. And God, as we think about the people you've put in our life and as we go out, I pray that any fear or any excuse, and I've had a lot of them, we pray that you would take that away. Meet us in that place. Give us the courage. We trust your spirit to move us and to give us what we need to step into discomfort so that people know the message of freedom. We don't have to be a slave anymore. We don't have to be entangled because we are free in you. Thank you. Amen. I want to um, I wanna say to you all, you know, if you're here today and you um, go, okay, yeah, I understand that God's mercy is for me, but you've not made that decision or you're here and you're going, I want to be set free. Um, come talk to me. Let's, let's have a conversation, okay? Because um, we, we want people to experience that freedom. Um, on, on your way out, you're going to get, and I, don't, I didn't bring one up with me, but there are people, if you want to raise your hands over there, there's a key ring full of um, some ways that you can show mercy. Now, this is not a to-do list, okay? So don't take it home and be like, I got to check these all off. No, before you even read those, what I want you to do is I want you to pray and I want you to ask God, God, give me eyes to see the people around me that are harassed and helpless. 
And then those are just some ways, when you're in close proximity with people, these are some ways that you can, you can show mercy. You can love people well. Take off some of that, that crushing weight so that they can see the love of God, okay? So go out. Let us be a people and a church that holds out this, this reality of freedom for people, okay? Grab one on your way out. Thank you.